You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. And every once in a while, I uh, write some notes down, pen and paper. I don't use any fancy tablets or anything like that. But uh, yeah, you know, he said that uh, in the last days that young men will, you know, have visions and old men will have dreams, right? And I think I have more than my share of dreams. (laughs) So this message... uh, But before I get into the message, I did want to say, I want to thank you, all of you, for your faithfulness to God and faithfulness to attending church. I know that's not something that the majority of people are doing right now. And uh, we need to turn that around. And I'm also thankful that there's so many young people here because a lot of churches you go to and it's all the Geritol age. Right? So to see young people here and young kids, that's, that's inspiring to me. That, that encourages me because I know future generations are going to carry out preaching and teaching the word of God. And some of them that are here today are perhaps going to do that. Amen. And we'll believe for that as you pray over your children every day. So I also want to thank Pastor Ovi for the pulpit because some pastors are very protective and only want to do it themselves and he is so open to that so thank you pastor hallelujah so uh, this morning i was thinking we are living in such turbulent times as you are um, there's so much distress in the world today and people need hope our nation is divided, like I've never seen it divided before. And we're supposed to be the United States of America. And it doesn't appear that way right now. Many people are deceived. Great deception everywhere. Especially in my lifetime, I've never seen it like this. And it's so out in the open. People will spew lies and not think a thing about it. Just continue the of doing that. And many people are so confused. There's great confusion everywhere. And the United States has been transitioning for many decades now. We've been transitioning from the Judeo-Christian values and ethics to paganism, basically. I see it coming. And this transition is, is very troubling to me, and I know many people who believe in the truth. So there is a great identity crisis in our nation and throughout the world today. And the only solution is to get into God's word. Amen? Because he holds all the answers. You know, before uh, I put the final touches on this message, my wife and I watched a movie that we really enjoyed. And perhaps you've seen it as well. Um, It's called overcomer. It's one of the Kendrick uh, Brothers movies, and it's a very inspiring film. It's about a girl, young girl, who's a cross-country runner, but she has asthma, so she has to overcome that in order to achieve in her sport. And she has a great coach, 
He was the basketball coach, and then with cutbacks, imagine that, cutbacks? He was cut back in the school system, and so he had to do basketball and cross country. And there's a very touching scene in there, and I think a very poignant scene. Coach accidentally goes into a hospital room and sees an older gentleman lying in the bed who is dying. And so he continues to go back and forth visiting this gentleman. <clears throat> and one of the questions the gentleman asked him on, I think it was like the third visit, <clears throat> was, who are you? And the coach says, well, you know my name. That's, that's who I am. And the gentleman looks at him and he says, no, no, no. Who are you? And the older gentleman keeps pounding that question. And says, well, when I think about it, I'm a husband and I'm, and I'm a father. He goes, that's good, he says, but who are you? He says, well, I'm a school teacher. I've been in education. I, uh, I teach basketball. I country. Um, that, that's who I am. Gentleman shakes his head again, looks at him again. He says, no, really, really, really. Who are you? And the coach finally says, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe in I'm a, a disciple of his, and I believe in the gospel. And the older gentleman smiles, and he says, how come that was so far down on your list? Boy, doesn't that get you right there? And how truthful that was. Love the movie. If you've never seen it, I, it it's very inspiring. So for today, for my main scriptures, God led me back to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, where God lays out how everything began. And of course, the book of Revelation tells us how everything And there's a lot of material in between. <laughs> so I want to read the scriptures, and then we'll get back to them just a little bit later. Okay? So if you could stand with me, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1, and I believe the are going to be up on the screen here. And we'll start with Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's go to Genesis 2, and then 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, nostrils, the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Would you join me in prayer? Lift up your voices as I pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word, which brings us truth and life. And Father, we pray that
presence and your power to descend upon us. Surround us, Lord God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits. You are welcome here. Bring us comfort and joy. Bring us knowledge. Bring us wisdom, Lord God. And help find understanding of who you are and what our purpose here on earth is in your kingdom. Lord, we need you more than ever before as we are in these turbulent times. We need your divine protection. We need your divine faithfulness to be upon us, Lord God. And hope, we need divine provision. And Lord, I pray for everyone who is here today that you would provide that for them, that you would bless them and their families and move mightily in their lives. Help them to be bold in proclaiming your word to this generation, Lord God, to go to the streets and the highways, come into contact with, let people see Jesus within us. And so, Lord, I praise you and thank you for all that you do and for this day and this time. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, go ahead and be seated. Whenever I put together a message, I'm very careful because I, I do want to say everything God wants me to say. I think it's in the book of James where people who teach the word and, and proclaim the word um, they have a higher standard for that. Um, why is that? Because when you are talking to people and groups and, and proclaiming that, you are an influencer. And you may influence someone closer to God or cause them to go further away from God. And I definitely want to make people and draw people God. So everyone in this room is an influencer, if you have a friend, family, coworkers, you are in a position to be an influencer. You don't have to be on TikTok. You don't have to be on Facebook or any of the social media to influence people. You can do that by the power of God. Just pray and ask him to open up doors of opportunity for you, and he will definitely do that. Amen? So what brought this message about was I was thinking about our existence. And there's a lot of that being thought about today as we search the heavens for life. And I was thinking about our purpose. What is our exact purpose of being here? What's life all about? And the question of who am I? Well, I think the seeds of this were planted back in 1962. I was uh, probably around, I was around 12 years old at that time, had many friends on my street that I used to gather together with, and I remember in the summer when it was nice and warm and we had clear nights that I would go across because um, my one particular friend out in their patio area, they had chase lounges. Anybody familiar with chase lounges? These are the type that were foldable, and you could unfold and unfold, and you could lay flat on your back. Well, the reason we did that was because we had that they had launched a telecommunication uh, satellite called Telstar. And it was the first communication satellite that the United States put up to go around the Earth. Well, the Russians had done that previously, a few years earlier, with, do you remember the name? Sputnik. Sputnik. Yep. 
this was a space race, right? We got to get something up there. So they did this with Telstar. Well, on the radio and TV at that time, they used to tell us at a particular time, if you look at this portion of the sky at night, you will see Telstar going across. It'll look like one of the stars, but it'll be moving. Well, that was new. You know, space exploration was, was in its infancy back then. So I gathered together with all my friends, and uh, we would lay there, and we would check, you know, our, our time and all that and get all set. Some of us had binoculars, and we, we made it a uh, contest. Who can spot it first? And so while we're laying there, sky is clear, there's no clouds or anything like that. We're, we're laying there, and we're looking at the horizon on the one side where it's supposed to appear, and we're, we're seeing who can spot it first. Well, while we were waiting and doing that, we started talking about some of life's greatest questions. You know, like we would say, we're looking at this fabulous group of stars and, and galaxies and planets and just everything that's out there. How did this all come about? And how did we get here? I mean, what is existence itself? How do I feel? How do I see? I don't really understand this. It's kind of incomprehensible to me. And so we used to talk about all these different things. And we talked about, you know, and what are we going to do when we get older? What are we going to do with our lives? You know, and we used, some people would say, oh, man, I want to be a I wanna be football player, the best one there ever is. Wow, that's great. That's great. And so I said, well, now I want to be a, a rock musician, and I want to be greater than the Rolling Stones. You know, so we, also, we were talking about all this type of things and people are like, what are we doing with life? What is our purpose of our life? Is it to, is it to gain pop? I mean, is it to gain great wealth? Is it to get prestige and have everybody just look at us and fall at our feet? You know, is that what life is all about? And so those type of questions we used to ask each another all the time. Well, back then you have to understand that we didn't have any concept of, of the spiritual aspect. Uh, most of us probably attended church, but didn't pay attention in church. You know what I mean? Uh, as kids right there, we didn't have cell phones or we didn't have tablets or anything like that. But we found other ways to <laughs> occupy our time. Would sit there and, you know, listen to the message. Our mind would be what? Somewhere else, right? So we really didn't pay attention to those type of things. It wasn't until 1980 when I became a disciple of Christ that I started to have this spiritual awakening and understand great questions that we have. And of course, I started reading the Bible. I started reading in Genesis. That was the first book I ever started reading. And I was hoping that um, I could get a few things out of there. But at that time, I had never accepted Christ. Uh, my spirit was in me, but it unto life. So I would read it and get bored and say, well, this doesn't make sense to me. I mean, what's, what's all this? People are so interested in this book. I'd rather have a DC Comics book, you know, or Marvel Comics book. Give me one of those. You know, I can make sense out of that. But that's where my, I think, inquisitive nature started as far as science, as far as exploring the things of the, the world and earth. So let's go back to our scriptures and kind of unpack those a little bit. And in Genesis 1, 1, of course, 
I think is probably familiar with this, who breathes, right? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I often wonder, I said, why did God start his word with that very simple little sentence? I mean, it's very short, it's very simple. Why did he start this massive book with just that little simple sentence? And it came to me, you know what? That is such a foundational statement. When you, when you read that in the beginning, what beginning? Not the beginning of God, right? Because he's ever-present and he's God of infinity. So it's not his beginning. It's, it's the beginning of everything that we can see, everything that we cannot see, everything we can touch, feel. That's the beginning about. So it, the foundational statement being so important because it tells us that God created the heavens, multiple, three, he created the heavens, the atmosphere around the earth. He created the heavens where you see the stars and the planets. He created the heaven where his dwelling place is. So the three heavens. And he created the earth. And specifically, as he mentioned the earth, that makes it very important, doesn't it? He didn't mention any of the other worlds that are billions and trillions and quadzillions out there. He mentions the earth. So that's very important. And so anyone who starts reading the Bible and has a problem with that opening sentence is certainly going to have a problem with the pages after that, aren't they? So if, if one does not believe that God created the heavens and the earth, they're not going to believe the rest of the material in between the pages. Now, why is that? Why, why do people have such a problem believing that? And why did God place that? Because he wanted to make it abundantly clear, perfectly clear, without a doubt, how everything came about. Now, why do people struggle against that opening sentence? Because they do not like the idea of having a God infinite, a God who's all-knowing and all-powerful and ever-present, controlling their life. They want to have control. So they try and come up with every other hypothesis as far as how this whole existence came into being. Well, after the Big Bang, you know, we had all these chemicals and materials out there and gases, and they formed, and they started coming back together. And, they, you know, and it, of course, it took billions and trillions of years, they need that, right, to make this as a, uh, a positive thing for them. And so they try and come up, or they'll tell you that, well, the earth was seeded by aliens. They visited us, and they intervened in our history, and so that's how everything came about. Or they'll tell you that maybe it was a comet or a meteor that had the seeds of life in it, splashed into the ocean, and the seeds of life were formed. You see, want to come up with anything, anything other than a God creating everything that we see in here. That's the sin nature that is within man. In Genesis 1, 27 through 28, God goes on to tell us, so God 
man in his own image. In his own image. And some people kind of lack an understanding of what that means. We know from Scripture that God doesn't have a physical body. He is spirit. So it can't mean that we're created in necessarily there, but there are other factors that go into play being part of his image. And so there's three that I really thought of, and I thought mentally is one of the things that we're created in his image. He gave us the ability to reason, to think things. He gave us the ability to make choices. And I'm so thankful for that, aren't you, that we, we can make choices? You know, I'm not a God who says, this is it, and... It's over. You don't do anything else. And he gave us the ability to be creative. And when you take in the... the, the make choices and be creative, you're reflecting God's intellect and his freedom. Does that make sense? Number two, morally, we are in the image of God. We are created in righteousness. And of course, the fallen kind of marred that, didn't it? But we were created in perfect innocence. And our conscience was given to us, which is our moral compass. This, of course, reflects God's holiness. I'm thankful that we in us, our conscience, because without that, think of how much more wild this world would be. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for giving us a moral conscience. And we are created in his image socially. He created and gave us a purpose because he wants us to know him and have fellowship with him. I mean, that's the obvious one, right? To know him and to have fellowship with him. Now, I'm not going to dwell on that or add anything to that today because I want three other areas. But when we are creating God's image socially, whenever we marry, whenever we make friends and show compassion and gather together, we are reflecting his image. Going on from there in Genesis 1, It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So a couple of things in here. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Now we know he wants us to have children, right? He wants more kids, Pretty, pretty simple. But I think a lot also there is a physical meaning to a scripture and there's a spiritual meaning to a scripture. It's, it's kind of like a dual meaning. And I think on this scripture here, he says, not only do I want you to be fruitful and multiply and have more children, but I want you to have more children that are and multiply them. That's why it's important for us to to be with our children, to teach them, to train them up in the ways of the Lord so that they become spiritual beings that are honoring God and glorifying him. He mentions a couple 
subdue the earth and have dominion over it. In other words, he wanted us to take charge of the earth. He wanted us to put down a plan to take care of the animals and the plants and see everything. Let me tell you, there's no one that should care more for the earth than Christians. We should be concerned about animal life. We should be concerned about ecology. We should be concerned about the oceans and the rivers and the atmosphere and the pollution and all those type of things. We should be most concerned. I mean, I love animals. And as you go somewhere, animals are kind of drawn to me. So, you know, the, we went, when we were in Tennessee visiting my daughter, their dog, as soon as I got there, had this ball in his mouth and would not leave me alone. <laughs> I'd grab it, I'd say, here, here, rocket, go get it. He'd run and get it. I'd be talking and say, drop the ball right there. Okay. Ah, go get it, rocket. I'd fling it out there. He'd go, I'd come back every time. He wouldn't give up. He'd be panting. He'd be like he's ready to fall over, and he's still looking at me. <laughs> you know, throw the ball, throw the ball. <laughs> so... Like I say, I've always had a special thing in my heart for animals. I'm the type of person I will even break for squirrels. If a squirrel is going back and forth in the road, I'm going, oh, which way is he going to go? You know, try to put in the brake or accelerator, get by him. You know, I don't want to crush him. And, uh, is anybody else like that? <laughs> uh, God, has, God made me unique, I guess. <laughs> Well, he made us all unique, didn't he? We're all individuals and have unique things. But very important that we're, we're to have dominion over the earth. We're to take care of his creation when we take care of his creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, he says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Hey, we're just part of the animal kingdom. We're just another part of it. No, let's hold on to that thought for just a moment. We're not just another animal, are we? We are special. God waited to the very end to create us. You ever heard the saying, he, to create the bet, wait, last? I think he did that with us. Because we are special because all of the other creation, he spoke into existence. But when it came to man, what did he do? He reached down, grabbed dust of the earth, and he breathed into us. In other words, he placed a spirit within us. The human spirit is something to behold. They say that when you see a lot of athletic competitions where they say, wow, they have such spirit, they have such drive. God placed that within us. He placed a spirit within man, and that and separate from all the other creatures in the world. We are a triune being. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. Just like God is a triune God. So that also goes along with the image. So over time, as I begin to delve into the Word of God and got past the book of Genesis... I started looking at the whole Bible in itself after I was born again and gave my heart to the Lord in 1980. And I started reading it with passion. 
or know more and more and to have a greater understanding. And my wife, I think, will testify to this. Uh, every time I saw something in the Bible that I thought was an eye-opener, I would run over to her and say, hey, look what I found, look what I found, look at this here, this is where this is at, and all that, and, you know, and me. <laughs> and she, a lot of times she did, yeah. But uh, I tend to do that sometimes. I get something, a thought, and I will run with it. You know what I mean? Uh, so as I grew in the understanding, I read this portion in the book of Colossians, verse uh, 1 and 16. And this is God reiterating again. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things created through him and for him. Now that puts an interesting point on this scripture right here. Of course, anytime you see God talk about something over and over again, it's an important thing. If he mentions it, he's trying to get our attention and say, hey, look at this, look at this, look at this, right? So when it says, all things were created through him and for him, I'm taking that to mean we and the universe and everything were created for his pleasure, for his pleasure. And that's point number one I'm going to talk about today and reiterate a little bit more. God made it very easy for us and very understandable for us because he gave us something called a family. We have husbands and wives and children and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. We have families. We all came from families. And we all have children in one way or another, children being spiritual children or natural children, minister to. So let me just ask you this in this room, how many of you, how many of you do actually have children? Let me see your hands. Okay, quite a few. How many grandparents out there have grandchildren? That's me. All right, good. Don't you love them? You can have them come over and then give them back. Here, you change this diaper. <laughs> and they go through a lot of diapers. So that's, that's a good thing. Being a grandparent is fun. I think it is. I know my wife enjoys it as well. We were down there visiting. But let me ask you this third question. How many of you, at one point in your life, you were a child? I see. Oh, I see a couple of hands that are not up. We may have angels in our midst. So just beware of that. I'm sure you enjoy a couple of angels in the church. But all children. So I think God made it really easy to understand what pleases him by giving us a family, for one thing. Because especially with children, when you think of children and, the, and your grandchildren, what pleases you about them? Now I know that I know that children need a lot of attention, amen? And they need a lot of correction. See, we had five children. And there was not one time I don't believe in, in raising our children. 
had to teach them how to do bad things. It, a lot of times I had to correct them and teach them how to do good things, godly things. And so as a father, when I'm looking at children, what pleases me is the fact that they will respect and the things that I say to them. And that if I ask them to do something, that I don't have to continually go after them. So if I saw one of my children actually clean their room without being asked, hallelujah, that was pleasing, amen? Not to have to, you know, yell at them, scream at them. Hopefully we don't do those type of things. <laughs> but we still have that sinful nature inside <laughs> that kind of comes out once in a while, right? Amen, even though we're born that sinful nature tries to creep back in all the time. We have to continually pound it down. Amen? And so, I loved it when my children succeeded in things. When I saw the fruit of the Spirit working in their lives. When they, when they were sharing with someone. Or they were being kind to someone. Or they were helping someone along the way. And respecting adults. Speaking kindly to, to their elders. Those kind of things really please my heart. You know, it's like, for an example, say you, you, you had a, a little girl and a little boy, and they were both given ice cream cones. They're eating away at their ice cream cones, and then one of them all of a sudden licks it, and the whole thing plops out on the ground. Has anybody ever had that happen? Where you're licking your ice cream cone, and you go, <laughs> I have. But when you see a little girl do that, and then the little boy looks over and says, here, you can. Isn't that great? You see, that's, that's God-given. That's kindness. That's, that's the type of things that we look for in our children. Sometimes I think that we as adults, we tend to overthink things. We tend to, comp <laughs> we tend to be complicated and overcomplicate things. It's just, it's just in our nature to do that, I think. But God's word has always been very simple, very logical, and, and something we could always turn to. I brought this in today to church. When we bought our car, this came in the glove box. Anybody know what this is called? The owner's manual, right? Now, how many of you have taken your owner's manual out of the glove box and started on page one, hmm, and read through this every... Oh, wow, in brief, wow, I didn't know that about the drive shaft. Wow, that's, wow, that is fantastic. You know, or, oh, interior lighting, we have that in our car? You know, and so you, you go through the owner's manual page by page, highlighting it, and then, and you say, wow, that was so great, I'm going to start all over again. And so, yeah. how many of you have done that with your owner's manual? <laughs> I haven't. When do I go to this owner's manual? When I have an issue? When I have a problem? Because it, this owner's manual, all of the workings of the car, all of its systems, it tells us how to troubleshoot when you see a problem with a warning light goes on. Hmm, what was that? Let me see, that's probably age 14. Oh, okay. <gasps> Ooh, that looks like a lot of money. <laughs> That's what I used it for. 
to have your car operate at its peak performance, the very best it can, and get the longest life out of it. Amen? That's what this owner manual does. I am so thankful to God that he gave us a written However, this is the one, and don't raise any hands on this. How many of you have started at page one? There we go. And you've gone through and page by page, highlighting, memorizing, underlining, going back when you have something. And how many of you have gone through that page by page and over and over and over and over and over and over again? I think that pleases God when we delve into his word. Because, as I said, he wants us to know him, us to have fellowship with him. And the only way to truly know that is to get into this word right here. And you will come to know him. So if you're not doing that, why not start? Pick it up. Don't, you don't have to make it a, a marathon session. You don't have to start with a few scriptures. And then think about it. Dwell upon it for a little bit. And how does it apply to your life? So we were created for God's pleasure. Another way that I think clearly illustrates that is, you know, we serve a creator. How many of you really enjoy creating something with your own hands, with your own mind? I do. I mean, after I retired, I started painting again, picking up acrylic, painting landscapes. And I really find great joy and fulfillment when I get to the end and say, you know what? It didn't turn out to be a mess. (laughs) I could actually see trees and rivers and mountains, you know? And, And thank you, Lord, for giving me the ability to do that. Perhaps some of you are, you know, you like working with your hands in, in uh, woodworking or or shang, or writing music and creating music. Those, all those creative abilities were given to us by God who loves us, and he knew that we wanted to be creative as well because we would find great satisfaction out of that. Stepping back from it, maybe you like to, to uh, redo your house, a living room in your house, or the bathroom in your house. You've done it yourself in a DIY project, and you step back and look at that, and you say, wow, hey, I did pretty good. Looks good. That brings God great pleasure too when he looks at his creation and he sees how they're developing, growing, and how they're fulfilling their purpose here on earth that he has given to them. Psalm 147, 11 tells us, but the Lord takes pleasure in those in those who hope in his steadfast love. God takes pleasure in that. Fear meaning, oh, I'm not so scared of God that he's going to crush me, but having a great reverence for him. Just like in the family where children have a respect and reverence for their parents. He also says that those who hope in his steadfast love because that's where our great hope relies on is is steadfast love. We know that he will always be there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will be with us 
until it's our time to leave here and go to be with him, he will always be with us. We don't have to worry about that because he's promised it. And so we have great hope in the Lord. I don't know what people do in the world. What do they put their hope in if they don't have God? What is the end of their life going to look like? Oh, I believe in God. I, I don't believe it. What do you believe in? I believe in myself. I believe that, you know, society's going to take care of me. I believe the government's going to take care of me. Uh, really? Science is going to take care of me. Okay. All right. That only works for a while, right? So that's why we need to have compassion for people. We need to continually pray for people that God's word penetrates through, breaks through to your heart, their heart and mind. Continually pray, continually seek him and, and put hope in his steadfast love. Psalm 149, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He takes pleasure in us. Our very existence here, he is pleased with. He adores the humble with salvation. He adorns the humble with salvation. So when we're not prideful, when we're grateful to God, when we're humble, he takes great pleasure in that. That's part of our destiny. That's what we're destined to do. As, as God's people... We should continually have him on our thoughts and just continually be into him because there is no other hope. There is no other choice. It's God and God alone, amen? It's in Christ. So let me ask you a question. This is just something for you to contemplate at this point. When you think of your own life and how you've lived it and how you're living it today, how much pleasure are you bringing to God? You know, and when I look at my life and my past and present and things like that, there's many times I do things that grieve God as opposed to giving him pleasure. And I really want to please him because he's given so much to us, more than we could ever imagine given to us. And the least we can do is try and bring him some pleasure in our lives, in what we're doing, in our activities, and what we're thinking. And so there's plenty of opportunities for us to do that and to move on from where we are today. We don't want to give him grief, make his existence so good that he says, ah, well and faithful servant. So God's purpose for mankind to bring him pleasure. And number two, give God all the glory. That's one of the purposes for mankind is to make sure he gets the glory. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And again, another very simple and logical statement. But the word glory can throw some people off sometimes. When we think of glory, a lot of times we think of a 
light, right? A spotlight or something glorious, something beautiful, which he is. But there's much more to that word. It's, it's kind of like, it's, it has a lot of weight to it. It has great substance to that word. It has overwhelming value and to the word. Giving God glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So even in the mundane things of life, when we're doing simple tasks, when we're washing the dishes at home, when we're mowing the lawn, when we're just out and about shopping, keep that in mind that we have the opportunity every moment of our lives to give God glory. Thankful, to be grateful for all he's done for us. How are you doing in that area? Are you giving God glory in everything? Are you growing in Christ? Is your light increasing in you for everyone to see? Are you reflecting Christ to the world around us today? That's the important issue is to reflect the glory. Because many times people will try and glorify you. They will give you great accolades. Oh, you are so wonderful, especially if you're involved in something that gets a lot of attention, right? Oh, what a great NASCAR driver you are. Oh, you know, what a great musician you are. Movie star. People who attain highest levels of success in life better beware because the tendency is to absorb all of that to yourself, right? Ah, take it out of Boy, I am great. Oh, I'm tremendous. There's nobody like me. You know, just, oh, I am the apple of everyone's eye. I'm better than sliced bread. You know, I mean, you can take all of that in, right, and get your head inflated. You ever see a balloon? Get that. Watch out, that balloon's going to pop one day, and it's going to be a great pop. It'll probably fly you all over the place. As you reflect that glory and give it back to God, you are in danger being prideful. And pride comes before what? The fall. Pride will always come before the fall. Proverbs 3. Well, before I get to that, the third point I wanted to make. God's purpose for mankind is to bring him pleasure. God's purpose for mankind is to give him all the glory Three, we are to simply trust and obey him. That's our purpose. Not only to know him, not only to have fellowship with him, but to trust him and obey him. And wow, so many people have those areas. Trusting and obey. There's a great hymn of the church, trust and obey. There's no greater way. good example of trust, I recall when I was, again, a child. I was once a child. 
And my dad and mom took us to some friend's house. We traveled to get there, and they had a big backyard. They have lots of trees in their backyard. Well, my mom especially and my dad, they, they tell me, now, we're going to let you go out in the backyard and play with the other kids. Don't get into trouble, right? Good warning. Did we heed it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but they said, don't get into trouble. Don't do anything where you're going to get injured or hurt somebody else. Play nice. Okay. There was this big tree there that had many limbs to it. And of course, one of the kids said to me, hey, I bet you you can't climb that tree. Oh, now it's on. There's a challenge, right? And I said, well, I can climb that tree, but I don't want to. Right? And they said, ah, you're chicken. You're chicken. And I'm not a chicken. Then show us. I said, all right, I will. So I get up there, find something to step on first. I think there was a chair there or something. I put the chair there and found the first limb and pulled myself up. And I kept going up and up and up and up towards a pretty high point above the ground, right? I'm, I'm up there. See, I told you I could do it. Ha, ha, ha. So they took the chair away. <laughs> How am I going to get down? Oh, I'm stuck in this tree. I've gotten myself into a situation. Control. And so what did they do? They went in the house and told mom and dad, right? So my dad comes out. He's looking at me and going, <sighs> he says, what are you doing up there? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. How did you get up there? Uh, they, there was a chair here and then I climbed up branch by branch, well, then get down. I can't. I'm scared. I'm staying right there. Okay. Here's what. Get to that far out branch there. I'm going to stand underneath here, and I'm going to hold my hands out right here. I want you to jump into my arms. I'm looking down. Oh. Okay. My dad going to take his arms away. <laughs> <laughs> where they do, you fall backwards, trust, right? Say, well, I don't think so. <laughs> so he's standing there, he's got his arms lifted up, and he says, okay, come on, come on, let's go. And I'm saying, and finally, he says, if you need to, he says, shut your eyes and just go for it. So that's the idea. Leapt off, and sure enough, boom, into my dad's arms. And I put him down. Perfect example of trusting, right? When you mess up, when you get on the wrong path in life, when you do things pleasurable to God or glorifying God, thankfully, we have someone there with open arms. And he says to us, it's okay, you messed up. Now, come on, trust in me, believe in me, jump into my arms thing will be okay. He says, trust in me, do it. And we do it. And when we get down, he says, now, don't do it again. <laughs> don't do it again. Turn from it. Go the other direction. Because I gave you commandments. 
things in my word as a warning to you because I want you to live a fulfilling life, a fruitful life. I want you to live long and prosper as, what was it, Star Trek? Live long and prosper. (laughs) He says, I want that for you. I want you to have life that's filled with joy and peace and all those type of things. But I want you to listen to me and obey. Listen and obey. It's for your own good. So the family structure gives us a great lesson in that as well. So as I think about God's purpose for mankind, it's very plain and easy to see from his word. It's, it's, he's put it out there in black and white, and he's put it when we pray and seek his will for our lives and build things to us. We're to simply bring God pleasure in the best way we can, bringing pleasure to him is, is a good thing. We're to give him all the glory and trust and obey in him. Closing this message, I, I want to say one thing. I want you to be honest and I want you to be bold today. Okay? God gives us boldness, doesn't he? And I'm going to ask you some questions in regards to these three areas. And if you want things to change in your life and be different, then when something touches your heart from the questions that I speak, I want you to stand before the Lord and and join us as we pray at the end. So my first question is, how are you doing in fulfilling God's purpose for mankind? And this one last verse, I think, tells us a lot. Verse 57.2. I cry out to God, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Allow God to fulfill his purpose in you. Allow him to do that. It's only for your benefit. And so I want to ask you, when it comes to pleasing God, if you think you can be better and grow better in that area and want to, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm standing before God. Lord, I want to improve in that area. More pleasure and not grief. Lord, I I want to do that. I genuinely want to change some things that I'm doing and turn from those things and turn unto you. And I I have to be very reflective in my life and look at these things. And so if that applies to you, just go ahead and stand up. Question. How are you doing as far as giving God the glory, reflecting the glory from yourself and for other things back to him? If you're not doing well in that area, go ahead and stand up as well, saying that you want to reflect in a better way. And number three, how are you doing in the area of trust? Do you freak out sometimes when life's troubles come along? And you say, oh, I've trusted you 
know if I can trust you in this area. I don't know if you're going to answer my prayer. I don't know if this is a good thing that's going to happen to me. If you're struggling and trusting God, then he can change that right now. Go ahead and stand up if that applies to you. And what about obeying God? You know what God desires. You know what his will is. Because it's in his word, he tells us in his commandments what we're to do and not to do for our own good. But if you somehow sometimes rebel in those areas and you do it anyway, you just say, I, I know, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it anyway. And if you want to change that attitude and get back to really, really obeying God, then go ahead and stand up for that. And as I pray, please lift up your as well. Maybe you're near someone. Just hold hands with them or touch them and, and pray along and pray for them as well, and not just for yourself. Because when we gather together corporately, there is power in gathering together corporately. Amen? I mean, we, many times we're all alone, or we think we're alone. And we need someone to come alongside of us and to shore us up. And that can be a real person. Of course, it's God, but we need real people around. We need that fellowship. So in closing, I want to pray God to help us to fulfill these three areas that he has given to us. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.